everyone, and welcome to the Training Ground Podcast with your host, Kevin Barry. Today, Kevin is speaking with Patrick Fitzgerald. Patty is currently the assistant men's soccer coach at Midwestern State University. In this episode, they discuss Patty's journey to playing college soccer in the U.S., how he adjusted to different styles of play, his experience playing in the League of Ireland, his transition from player to coach, and how he is developing a recruiting pathway for players from Waterford, Ireland. Um, can you tell me about how you ended up in America and kind of what your first experience was with that? Were there people that went there before you or was it something that you researched online yourself? So obviously you were actually one of the people who kind of took that path initially. Like you're, you're one of the first people I, ho- I heard kind of heading that direction. Mm-hmm. Obviously I was playing with you at Bowes and we had that SFAI run. I remember we kind of kicked on. We beat by Crumlin who were probably one of the best teams I've ever played. Yeah. And... Uh, it was kind of from there. I was, it was always kind of in the back of my mind. But obviously, I was kind of having a little success back home and stuff then too. I ended up kind of playing with the 19s two years, kind of broke into the first team with Walford. Uh, Walford's United, but it's Walford FC now. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I was having a little bit of luck there, obviously. Um, I was getting a look in then with the older boys uh, at the beginning, playing who are actually the, the managers there now, I suppose. You have um, Franny and Frosty, and obviously Rennie was in charge my first year. But I was playing with them boys um, my first year. So obviously it was a good experience. I started kind of breaking in and playing with Paddy Barrett. who's obviously having great success out here now as well within the 11. Yeah. But um, so obviously it was kind of, it was for a lot of people, I think back home, I thought they kind of thought it was a, an unusual route for me. Mm-hmm. Thought maybe I might kind of stay at home and give it a go because I ended up kind of doing the St. Henry Shield team. Success there, obviously, as captain of Ireland, I guess it's the school's team kind of type thing. Captain them against uh, England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland. So obviously that's uh, like I was having a, a decent amount of success. So for me, it was definitely still a tough decision to come here. But I kind of just felt at Waterford, it was kind of a case of I've seen a lot of managers come in and out. I was kind of only training two days a week, playing sometimes playing games, sometimes you're in the squad, sometimes you're not. Um, towards the end it was obviously just almost a 19s team then you know so mm. I kind of wanted to be a little bit more competitive I heard like obviously it's going to be full time football over here then as well so that was kind of probably the most enticing thing for me so once I heard like I'm coming over here I've seen Andrew Power come over then as well so that's kind of my he was my big link um, I went I did the thing where you sign up with the the scholarship yeah, program yeah. you go to the agencies and stuff and mm-hmm. Kind of went, went that route or whatever, but realistically, I just got in touch with Andrew and he got me in touch with the assistant coach at the time, who was now the head coach, Michael Meacham. And uh, we just had a little conversation. And I was kind of actually initially asking him how I kind of go about actually getting to the US and kind of what I'm required to do. And he basically just kind of told me all the ins and outs and emailing coaches is probably our best route and send him a video, short video, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, he, at the end of the call, he was just like, how would you feel about coming here? Yeah, I, I saw Andrew had great success here too so mm-hmm. I was like look I mean why not I said I'll give it a lash you know so he kind of committed to me early on so that was kind of he's the man who really kind of persuaded me to come here in the end Yeah, um, and I mean cheap education too you know what I mean really help you paying for classes things like that obviously it's a no brainer so mm-hmm. um, full time football then was obviously extremely enticing for me so train them Monday through Thursday, play Friday, Sunday, or Thursday, Saturday, whatever it may be. Yeah, but, um, yeah that was kind of realistically. I, I just felt like at home, I was kind of coming to a dead end, playing with the 19s, essentially playing first team. Um, kind of coming, our last two years really were, were struggling. They're really coming to the top half of the table. I'm glad there's been a big turnaround there at the moment now, but yeah, I just, I kind of thought, even my parents thought it was a good route. I was kind of working um, in a meat factory. I was working in Kylie Meats. And that was tough. I was doing that from 5.30 a.m. to like sometimes 4 p.m. in the evening. And then I'd go train at 7. And that was, that was five days a week. So I was like two years out of, out of um, secondary school or high school, they call it over here. And then I decided, you know what, maybe college is for me. So that's kind of what yeah. it took me. That, that was something I did want to ask was um, what were your parents thinking at the time? And were there any coaches that, not that they held you back, but were a little bit cautious about maybe it wasn't the right decision for you or maybe wait another year or two, things like that. Yeah, I actually had, um, obviously I was on a, I was still on an amateur contract at Warford, That's and I remained on an amateur just so I could obviously still take this route essentially, you know. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I was actually in, it's funny that you were talking to Paddy there last week, because the course he's running right now, I actually took part in that course. So after being out of um, secondary school for the, the two years or whatever, I ended up deciding like I wasn't going like lifting big bags of lean, jowl and fat in the meat factory anymore. I said, look, this is something I'm actually kind of passionate about. So I went then and I, um, I, I took the FAI course. Um, two people who you, you and me both know quite well, Michael Luby and Gary Power were running at the mm-hmm. time. So obviously I've still maintained a good relationship with them as well as Paddy. And uh, I took that route and it kind of got me into just taking coaching courses, things like that, leading your youth cert. And it was the end of that year, just like it's running out for Paddy with, with the likes of Tega and Cameron Power and Noel O'Keefe, he's producing good players, you know. Yeah. But I obviously took that route from there then towards the end of that course. I mean, that, that July, I came straight over to Texas then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say any coaches held me back, but going into that course, I had like Tommy Griffin, who was in charge of uh, the Blues towards the end of my year, and Roddy Collins. They were actually like they came into my course and they'd call me out for a meeting in the the, ca- the cafeteria there in in Waterford Crystal Centre. Yeah. And they'd have, they'd have chats about me, kind of saying, "Like, is this the right decision? You know, mm-hmm. um, would you like to stay on? Would you like to, so- to sign a, a pro contract type thing?" And I was just like, "Look, I I just don't think it's it, it's it's what I want right now. I think I'd like to go play some full time football while getting an education, obviously too, and having something to fall back on." Yeah, I think it's a Kind of important thing to point out for anyone that is listening that if you were to sign a pro contract, you couldn't play in college, right? Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a that was obviously a big stumbling block, and then I didn't want to get to maybe 28, 29 years old and kind of thinking, come the end of my career, I'm kind of like, obviously that's not the end, but for me, the way my body's going right now, I've been through two hip surgeries, <laughs> and I was that's the end of my career. But yeah. um, I didn't want to kind of get to that age and start thinking, oh, where am I going to go next? Uh, like, you know, when I start finishing up in the next few years. Mm-hmm. So obviously I thought this was a, a great route for me. Like, you know, I can actually kind of pursue something while playing uh, competitively over here. And I think I think people really underestimate the level over here too. I think you can kind of vouch for that as well. I think yeah. like, yeah, uh, I came over here and I got a big, big shock to the system. Kind of realised the level is actually right up there. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously I came from good teams back home and the team I came into here even... Right off the bat here in 2016, I thought like the team was actually very, very good. I mean, probably competing with the teams I played with back home, to be honest with you. Yeah, that was a little surprising for me because um, you were a captain at Irish schools teams. The first I got with that was um, at Irish school trials two years, fifth and sixth year, so yeah, uh, 11th and 12th grade. And for me, that was a big accomplishment at the time. Um, but then when I tried to have a comparison to what would that be like in America... Um, I went to college in Pennsylvania and Ireland's the size of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So when we had kids that came in and said they were all state or all district, um, that all state kid from Pennsylvania, he might as well be you know, one of the best players in Ireland when you think yeah. about it. Essentially, yeah. So, um, we some incredible players here now, to be honest with you. Absolutely. When you finished um, secondary school or high school, did you have any idea like what you were going to do on the academic side? Did you have any interest in, in college at home with like WIT or even just general did you want to do accounting business or or go with football you know I'll be honest with you Kev I actually I had no intentions at all of ever going to college I really didn't it was my sister's route she went there she did her thing in UL and UCD and I mean I just didn't think it was for me I really didn't I was I hated school I really did I hated every minute of it did I write me leaving like it was, it was just bang average really but I never really kind of pushed myself really Mm-hmm. Parents always said to me, we know you can have the ability to do it, but you just, you just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? It was yeah. kind of, that's where I was at and it was the truth. I just wanted to play, to be honest, I just wanted to play soccer at the time. So I was like, I just kind of went with that. Obviously, I played with the Blues, had um, an enjoyable few years, but I mean, it's, it's a short career as it is, you know. So I, obviously, as I came out, I think it helped me then, kind of getting into quite tough jobs, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, had some tough jobs and then obviously to train with that and play with that as well, it was extremely difficult so just tired all the time and I kind of started thinking you know what maybe this is, is for me you know so I still didn't really un- uh, really know kind of what I wanted to do so that's why the FAI course kind of actually helped me quite quite a bit so I think what they're doing there obviously with Gary and uh, Luby with me and now obviously Paddy's in there at the moment he's with Mark Barry um, uh, I think honestly they're doing an incredible job and I think that needs to keep going so I'm currently even trying to kind of a bit of a pathway for players they're kind of developing in in, in that group mm-hmm. um, to come over here or actually taking a player off maybe two 
right now we're taking it. Tega is actually going to go to Western Texas. He's uh, one of Paddy's boys at the moment. Uh, he's going to Western Texas uh, for a year, pretty much similar to the route I took, you know. Mm-hmm. So he'll go there for a year and then he'll come back to, come back to Austin for his last three. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Uh, we, uh, Cameron Power's another one actually with Paddy. So he, he's actually accepted a scholarship in the weight. I'm hoping to get him out here then a year after that, fingers crossed. So Yeah. Let's talk yeah. a little bit more about that in a second. I just want to bring it back to um, with like high school or, or um, secondary school because I was in the same boat. I remember um, in fourth year, the equivalent of like 10th grade over here, where we had to decide our subjects for the leaving cert. And I remember not picking a, um, a language. And I knew at the time, if I don't do a language, I can't go to university. And then it got kind of that's from what made me start thinking more because at the time, the only strength conditioning degree in Ireland was at UCD. Um, I, I would have loved to play at UCD. Um, obviously, they're a League of Ireland team, but without having learning um, German or French or Spanish, I didn't have a chance, you know. Yeah, I think that's honestly, I think it's fairly ridiculous now looking back at it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, also, I also didn't take a language myself. So, yeah, obviously that's a big stumbling block there. Like, yeah. I, I thought it was, a big, it was a big surprise package when they come over here and you just kind of get to the side with what you want on a yeah. really, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you do a lot better with it as well. Like, cause I, you're, I, I do you're, too. I mean, if you can do it, and if you can, like, obviously absorb the material and you can, you can take it in and be successful, what, like, why mm-hmm. not? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why do we have these points that are kind of preventing us to do it? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people just, like myself, obviously, I just didn't have a clue what I wanted to do back home. So that was almost like, that's why I was almost lacking drive. If there was something I was really passionate about, obviously I'd probably give it, give the it a little um, when you were talking about some of the 19 spies coming over um, next year or two, can you just explain the difference for people that don't know of uh, junior college and then four-year university and the different options people might have when they come out to play? Yeah, so essentially the way it broke down for me, so it's going to relate to a lot of people back home who didn't really do exceptional in their leaving cert. So like I had, I think I had 270 points in me leaving, which obviously is very, very average. Mm-hmm. But um. Uh, I came over here then and I think you, you need to maintain a certain it translates weird honestly from the leaving search points into four year universities mm-hmm. so I did the SAT then which I kind of to be honest I struggled with because I ended up doing all three parts of the SAT and only made to do two so I was uh, I was there for four and a half hours just, just writing but I did okay but it just wasn't enough to get accepted to the university so basically then they required me to go to a junior college which meant I go there for a week of deal in place. It's generally meant to be a two-year gig, but obviously when universities and junior colleges can kind of uh, communicate across, they look at the player, if he can go into you and kind of get all his prereq classes done, which would be like your English, um, your maths, things like that. You know what I mean? Your mm-hmm. American government over here, whatever it may be. Yeah. So you kind of get a handful of them classes done and then you get enough transferable hours, which essentially kind of breaks down to one semester, or sorry, one year at a junior college. So I played one year at Rose State Junior College in Oklahoma. And then allowed after that one year, I was able to transfer then into, into a four-year university. So that's kind of how it broke down for me. But if your grades obviously are good enough back home, which in this case mine weren't, they will um, it'll transfer over a lot easier. I, I know you can only speak for your own experience, but with the junior college you were at, um, is there a difference in uh, standard of, of the game and then school size, classes, things like that? Yeah, I, I think most definitely. So the way I put it, the kind of some of the boys who say have to go to a, a junior college, um, the way I kind of put it to them was um, when you go to a junior college, it's kind of one week, it could be a close game. It could be a 1-0, 2-1 type game. And then the next week, you could go out and beat a team 8-0. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it lacks that kind of competitive edge every week. Mm-hmm. You kind of go to certain games, you know you're going to win by five or six. Um, so, some schools are just smaller. I mean... Some schools just aren't really passionate about soccer. Um, it might be baseball or softball or different sports that they kind of uh, excel in. But um, my, my experience at junior college was quite good, honestly. I mean, look, thankfully, we had a, a pretty strong group. We had a couple of English lads over there, too. Um, we had some French kids. I mean, they take in a whole load of internationals, and it's just getting more and more popular, really. But there's so many kids that have to take that junior college route for one year, two years, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. to go to their four-year university of choice. So I was just thankful that I got to a, a good group, to be honest. We were beaten in the, I think it's like the regional final or something like that. Um, so, I mean, obviously I had a good experience there. 
and I was never really too far away from from Midwestern State. So I came up and down on visits and stuff every every so often, and I'd go watch the game, the boys in kind of bigger games. So I, I really had a great experience my first year, but that's one thing I would say it's it's a bit of a sacrifice for maybe one year mm-hmm. to have kind of um. I just say it's not as as competitive really, and it's it's not as serious at times in certain programs. Obviously, there's some some programs that take it extremely serious, but just from what I've experienced, it's not as serious as a four year type thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> when you finished that season, then did you go home that Christmas, or what was that adjustment period like for you? Um, because I know my former teammate Andrew. Power, who was at Midwestern State, he was not that far away from you. But what was it like to be kind of away from everyone for the first time for not just a holiday period, you know, but a, a couple of weeks or months or missing birthdays, things like that? Now, I'll be honest, you can honestly, I'd say half half my family probably predicted I'd be back within a month. Yeah, so I've a, a big old family back home, um, especially on my mother's side. She's got a lot of brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and we're all, we're all pretty close, you know. So. No, I don't think anyone ever predicted me for me to last this long. And to be honest, my first week in Oklahoma, I mean, Dean, I was sharing a small bedroom with, with one of the lads who ends up actually being a good friend of mine now. But um, I went in there and I saw I was staying in a small two-bedroom apartment and there was four of us in there, you know. But um, so I was like, that was a, a bit of a, a change already, you know. I was used to being at home, getting spoiled by the mother. Like, so that was a bit of a, a, a big, big uh, culture shock, we'll say. So um, I had to kind of adapt quickly, but I was on the phone to my mother the minute I got there. I was like, hey, ma'am, I said I'd probably be back within a week. Like. And she was like, look, just stick it out the first week. Stick it out, see you get on, things like that. And um, I mean, I gave it a belt. And I mean, I started to love it there after the first two weeks. She didn't hear, hear any kind of bad word from me again. So I kind of just was just taken away really over there. And I started actually gradually enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I was doing well in the classes. I came out from my junior college with, 3.7 or 3.8 or something like that so I mean I found the class is quite easy that's one thing I would say with the junior college is it's like it's a good opportunity to kind of get your your um, GPA up so it's kind of um, that's essentially how you get into the four year you know yeah so yeah, um, yeah for me that was just a bit, bit of a shock to the system but once I got through the first month I, I absolutely loved it like you know yeah no I, I didn't mean to throw you on the spot there but I think um, some of it is like my fault, people that have come before and, and people that are in that path now, um, you don't really see the background story. And um, like as much as a great experience it is, there obviously are some sacrifices that you don't see people put up on Facebook or, or you know, Instagram. I think like for me, um, I, I felt okay initially when we were in season because I was training every day and playing every game. And we had a routine structure and a lot of international kids um, but that transition between November and December for me where it was, you're not playing football anymore and, you know, you're counting down, it's like six, seven weeks till, you, till you're back. Um, that was tough. Um, just kind of to go off of that, uh, with having so much time in the off season, that was new for you, I'm sure, of, you know, not training two, three times a week for year-round, basically. Um, yeah. How was that for you when, when you got back in, let's say, January and you don't really have a competitive game until August? Yeah, obviously, that was that was probably the toughest adjustment for me, now, to be honest. But, um, I mean, I think I was just fortunate enough that I actually, myself and Ross, Ross Fitzpatrick, yeah. So myself and Ross kind of came here together, you know. So it was the, the first year was the only real tough one for me, like you know, because when we came here together, it was obviously we're hoping that we're going to live together, we're going to obviously be playing together, we're going to class together. So everything was going to be. It was obviously going to be an easier transition for me having someone from home, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, me and Ross have a great relationship. Like we had a brilliant four years here together as well, on and off the field. But uh, it was just getting through that first year for me. But I actually ended up meeting some some great friends now for life. But uh, I think that's what kind of made it a little easier for me. Even when we didn't have football, we kind of still had uh, each other for all the world. Um, so we could always kind of keep ourselves occupied. But I think I was fortunate enough as well. Like we'd still go into our spring and we'd still train full time. So we come back, say, for example, we come back in January. I think we class to start here January 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of give the, give the lads the first, the first week really to kind of adjust again kind of get the classes done or whatever it may be. And then from there, really, we, um, we're back into training again full-time. It's generally the, the only thing that changed, really, is we train. We're actually essentially right now, because the season was cancelled for this fall, we're essentially in a spring schedule. 
So we train on a Monday night, we train on a Wednesday night, and we train at Friday at, at half two, and then Tuesday, Thursday, and generally Sunday nights we lift. So as a group, so mm-hmm. generally that that's kind of um, probably the biggest thing for me. We're just kept occupied all the time, you know. Yeah. There's, there's no real time to kind of sit down and relax. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, my experience was a little bit different, but I'm thinking it's because uh, you were in Texas and the weather is a little bit different. Um, where I was, it was snowing from November to about April. So our, our setup was a little bit different. Like we weren't getting out on the field every day, you know. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with that, to be honest with you. I, I absolutely love Texas. A lot of people ask crazy questions about Texas, but I love it over here. Yeah. I mean, I look outside there now, it's probably about... 25 degrees outside that, that back window behind you yeah, yeah. there you go like, before you did move over there uh, you obviously you were playing at a decent level can you talk about your planning and preparation for pre-season and just overall what it was like to play in League of Ireland at such a young age you were probably one of the youngest players in, in the entire league I would think for a while yeah most definitely I think my it was actually myself um, Connor Whittle Speedy and uh, Kevin O'Connor so we were kind of, the three of us were at the same age, you know, and we're, three of us kind of got into the first team, our first year 19s. And obviously there was the older crowd then, the 19s, who was like Connor Coe, Jason Keane, uh, Jack Doherty, them, them kind of boys, you know, they were kind of already there. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of myself, Speedy and Kev, who essentially would go play a couple of games, obviously with the, with the first team, we'd go training with them. We'd have to miss the 19s, things like that. And then we'd just come back for games with the 19s and, that was kind of a struggle. I didn't really like that at times. I loved obviously playing with the first team. You come back to the 19s then, you're just kind of jumping into the team where yeah. you're training with them. So it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit of a strange experience. But kind of, we were kind of the first group that 19s really started with, you know. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I really, really enjoyed that experience. But I, I'd say it was probably about, yeah, I'd say we're about 18 years old. I mean, 17, 18, and we're kind of all of a sudden we're thrown into the deep end with the likes of Vinny O'Sullivan and. Uh, I mean, Packy was still on goal my first year there. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you had Frosty playing, you had Breener playing. Like, I still remember one of my earlier games, probably my first year there, playing against like a Manchester United reserve squad and a full packed out RSC. Myself and Breen are playing centre half together. Yeah. Some pace in that back four. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you talk a little bit about that? About um, Because when we played together at home obviously we were separated by a couple of years but you were always playing up um, just because your ability um, you were always playing three, four years ahead of time even when you were 13, 14 um, how much of an advantage was that looking back? I mean I, honestly I thought it was massive like especially when I started playing with you boys as well and then I mean older again even with Bose I was like 16 and I think that's where there was a big argument about the rules and stuff coming in where kids were only allowed to play like two years above their age and stuff because he had a couple of his, I think me, myself and Jack Hale were playing Premier Football at about 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So I think there was kind of a, a bit of a concern type thing there, but I mean, it was never an issue. And I thought, honestly, my father still says the same thing. I, I thought when you play like with better players, you, you just, it brings the best out in you as well, you know? Yeah. So I thought that even the, the I, I still think now the biggest thing for me um, coming over here was my experience with the first team. And it's not even my first, my experience with the first team the last two years. It was probably my very first year under the likes of Rennie, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I just I learned the tough side of tough side of football as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, no, I can imagine those those weren't great times. Uh, things are looking a little bit better now. Obviously, we yeah, lost that team. My first year now, Rennie. Like I mean, I showed up. I still remember the day, and it'll stick in my head forever. I mean, I showed up uh, 15 minutes late for meeting time. I just. I thought it was quarter past instead of quarter two and I showed up at six or something like that, you know? Um, and I showed up 15 minutes late and I was told, I was actually, I think we were playing, um, geez, it might have been Finn Harps at home or something like that. And they uh, told me this was going to be the day I was going to break in, place and a half, I was going to start, you know? I always kept coming on, coming on, things like that. And I was playing well in training and told me I was going to be starting and a half. So obviously I'm preparing myself, getting ready, you know what I mean? Show up anyway, 15 minutes late, I sat in the stands for four weeks. So I didn't start that game and I said that, I mean, that's the tough side of it, you know what I mean? But that's, that's yeah. kind of tough love. It's probably been the biggest learning curve in my, in my short career, you can call it, because like, I've never been late for anything else for, in my life, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, no, it's funny that stuck by me all, all the time. Like, yeah. Just playing with them boys and kind of seeing the, what, what they demand from each other, you know what I mean? And I'm sure it's, it's, 
nothing's changed having Franny and uh, Frosty in there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it hasn't changed with Rennie, no matter where he is. But um, even with uh, Franny and uh, Frosty in there, I know they, what they demanded even out of me as a youngster and what they demanded from everyone else in that group, I'm sure they'll do great things on the wall for at the moment too. Yeah. So I found that um, the conference I played in had a lot of international kids, um, the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, but we had a couple of players on our team that were 26 and 27, and I was like 18. Um, so for me, I, I, like, I was always used to, to training with and playing against people of that age, but for a lot of the American kids that came in that were only playing with under 17 or only 18 or only high school, that transition was tough because they were playing against, you know, grown men at the end of the day. Yeah, most definitely. But it's still at the same time, I think it's the biggest learning curve, you know what I mean? You kind of, you really kind of, grow, that grown man strength is a real thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you start figuring out pretty quick. But I think, honestly, the, the biggest thing that how it kind of helped me in a sense was just reading the game, really, you know what I mean? Not just, I felt like coming over here, a lot of people just kind of, not to put it, not to kind of categorise it, but like, Americans, in a sense, you find a lot of um, Americans who are kind of just extremely kind of uh, athletic. Mm-hmm. They can jump high, they can run fast. But I felt like when I came over here, one thing I added was just reading the game and like understanding it a little bit more, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's just from my, from past experiences, really. So, yeah. yeah. For me, when, like when I first came, or right before I came over, I was always told that, like you said, Americans are going to be faster, they're going to be stronger, they're going to be fitter. And I really took that and, and went with it and had a great preseason because I was scared, to be honest. I was scared of fitness tests and coming over as an international, you know, potentially taking someone else's scholarship, things like that. Um, so I felt I over-prepared, but what was that adjustment like for you when you did get over, um, either initially at your first college or when you went to Midwestern with having such a sharp preseason? And was there a focus of, for you specifically, did you need to pass any strength tests or conditioning tests or were there standards in place? So honestly, I think I was a little like you. I think I kind of over-prepared. But I, I was a little unfortunate uh, to begin. And we started over here. I was kind of just struggling with a knock back home before I came over here. I kind of just shook it off really before actually getting on the plane. You can nearly say the week before maybe. But um, I kind of got myself, the, the most beneficial thing I did was I came here now, and I'd say this for anyone coming over here really uh, as an international. I came over here, especially coming to Texas. I, I just wanted to kind of adjust myself to the heat, you know. Mm-hmm. So come to Texas in the middle of July, like it's it's not easy to run in, I can tell you that. So just um, came in here maybe middle of July. I think it was the 15th of July or something I came over here. And did myself did fitness tests, even though I wasn't going to Midwestern, I came over here and I kind of just trained with the boys who were in town at the time. And uh, basically just did fitness with them. They'd go out there. It wasn't a case of being back home where you train two days a week and play a game. It's over here. It's like it's every day. Mm-hmm. Then it comes to preseason and the biggest shock for me was they started calling it two-a-days. I was like, Jesus, yeah. madness. So we ended up going for two weeks. It was essentially for two weeks straight, we did two-a-days. And that's, that's only when the when the manager and the assistants are able to actually, they're given a basically a deadline, obviously, as, as you know, that they can only say work with you for, say, from the 17 downwards, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then for the week before that, you do captain's practice. I'm like, I was wondering, what's this captain's practice about, you know? So basically the, the captain of the squad or captain of the group is running training for about seven to 10 days when everyone's kind of getting to town. You're running, you're, you're doing two days and then two there, there as well, you know what I mean? So all of a sudden, like, you're, you're dropping extreme amounts of weight in days, like, you know what I mean? So just kind of staying refueled. I'm sure you, you kind of touched on this a lot, like basically staying hydrated and eating the right foods and things like that. I actually began to realize how important it is. Mm-hmm. So I was glad I came over here. I kind of got that preparation for two weeks. And when I went into my junior college, I hit the ground running. When I came to fitness tests and stuff like that, I kind of dominated. And um, I was never really, when it came to distance stuff, it was never really an issue for me. but. When it came to getting hip surgeries, then obviously he started losing that, that yard of pace. So yeah. it was all, it, honestly, my game became about reading the game, really, and just reading situations rather than focusing on athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Well, I actually ended up at, um, played at two colleges like yourself. And um, I, I was in Pennsylvania. And for my last year, I played at a school in North Carolina. But um, I made the mistake of not getting down there early enough. I, I got down there, you know, 
three, five days before preseason. But even for me, training in Pennsylvania and running in that temperature and humidity versus North Carolina, um, with even with four years' experience, it was still a shock to the system. Um, like you said, I lost a lot of weight and really struggled through preseason. And um, because the games and training come so quick, it's kind of too late by then, you know. Yeah, the training the games is a big thing. Like you, you're playing two games in a week. I think a lot of people struggle to even absorb that. They're like, "What you mean?" Like you know. Mm-hmm. Which are, you're usually, like we complain about having a cup game every every midweek or whatever it is back home, you know. But every single week you're playing on say a Thursday and a Saturday, and I mean Friday Friday session is, is very important. Obviously, just recovering or whatever it may be, and then obviously Sunday, then again leading into the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday practice. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, that was that was probably a big, big adjustment for me, especially in the heat. Like we're playing over here now. I remember, like, I played my first preseason. Say when I actually came to Midwestern in 2016, we ended up getting a new turf in. So we had the ash turf in and started running around anyway. Doing probably, I don't know, middle of the day. We usually go half three in the day and maybe like 10 o'clock in the morning. So I got to half three anyway, and out there and here I see my boots are melting. So I'm like, what is this? It's 40 degrees outside, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's a unique heat where I am here. I'm in Wichita Falls. It's like, it's just about two hours from Dallas. But mm-hmm. um, it's a unique heat up here. Like, it really, really is. And you literally have people's like boots melting. And the hardest thing for me was blisters on my feet. I just couldn't adjust. So, I mean, I ended up figuring out you just get certain socks and paying a fortune for a pair of socks, like, you know, to kind yeah, of help, yeah. help prevent it. But... Geez, that was a big, big adjustment. Then playing games on a Thursday and Saturday, you're like, oh, feeling tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was tough for me as well. Um, all our games with the conference setup we had, they were all competitive. Um, you had a very good record when you were there. I saw you only lost six games in three or four years when you were there. Um, <clears throat> but same thing for us. We Every game was uh, like a cup final, basically, you know? Honestly, I think I was fortunate in a sense. Like, I never come over here on a visit before or anything like that. I just kind of took a chance on, to be honest, on the head coach or the assistant at the time, uh, Michael Meacham. And then, obviously, the head coach at the time was... Uh, I really just took a chance on him because they just trusted me, essentially. And they never... They had a small little clip of me. Andrew Powers worked for it. And then, it, for me and Ross, Ross Fitzpatrick as well, like, and the two of us ended up having a really, really good time here. How's that transition been for you personally? I know you said you were just out recruiting a couple of days ago, um, but your role from being a player captain into um, being an assistant coach now? Yeah, obviously, I mean, my time as as a player here, obviously, we kind of great success. I was, I think I kind of transitioned into the kind of assistance gig or it was either GA or the assistance gig. Thankfully, I got the full-time assistance gig. Basically, uh, kind of transitioned from 2016, and then into 17, I was kind of captain of the group. 18, the same thing, and 19, the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of translated over. I kind of, I think I kind of had the respect of the boys and stuff over here. So, and obviously at the time it was Meacham was the assistant to go over the head coach, and I mean he trusted in me and he asked me to come on board. So I, I think I've, I think I've done well so far. Anyway, we've been, I've been enjoying it. I can tell you that. Yeah. It's, it's Definitely a, a little bit of an adjustment, but there's only still only a handful of the boys really that I've really uh, shared the field with. So we've taken in a big, big group, um, mm. and we still have a lot of seniors uh, about to kind of I suppose some will graduate, some will stay on, things like that. But it's a big adjustment, obviously going from a player and then to the coach. You still have that little bit of hunger where you want to play every once in a while, but you kind yeah. of have to step back and kind of just observe. Mm-hmm. Can you speak for them um, how you're trying to develop that connection at home uh, in Waterford, Ireland and uh, how that initially came about and big picture for anyone that is at home what they need to know or advice or kind of things like that So I think I'm I think I'd be pretty fortunate in a sense that I've actually established like a lot of good relationships with people back home from an early age really you know so I look at all these people now like who I consider good friends of mine uh, basically in a, involved in the academies with Walford and stuff like that now too the likes of um, Connor Cole I mean Shane Olin's in there you have Rocky in there obviously you have um, Gary Hunt is in there I mean obviously Gary Power Luby we spoke about and Paddy mm-hmm. Carey being a big one too I mean I've, I've been in touch with Paddy Carey and, and Gary Power I mean every week really I'd say they must hate, hate seeing me pop up on their phone but um, 
then you obviously have Franny and Frosty with the first team. So just just keeping them relationships, I think, is obviously huge because, I mean, they are people I trust. Um, I really trust their opinions on, on players and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So at times you won't even need to see a video of a player. I mean, I'll just ask for their opinion. And even Adrian Flanagan's another one. I mean, I, I, you and I both know he knows every player in the town, like, you know. Yeah. He does incredible uh, stuff for the, the media in town, like. Mm-hmm. So he's another person I'd stay in contact with all the time and uh, just asking about players and keeping me updated and things like that. So keeping them connections, I think, is huge for me. And, I mean, I've been one of them players, you know. I've been, in the, I've been with the first team. I've been with the 19s. Um, I've been in schoolboy football. I've been with the first team, you know. I understand when players kind of come to a stumbling block where they're kind of yeah. like, do I stay? Do I try go? Like, do I go to England? Do I stay here? And everyone obviously wants wants that big dream of going to England. But obviously, the percentage is so so small, you know. And I think for me, it was just about like, it wasn't that it wasn't that I thought my time was up. I just kind of kind of just wanted to pursue something else, and I, I wanted to be. I kind of have an education behind me, you know, because it's a it putting all your eggs in that one basket. It's it's. I mean, it's it's definitely a big big risk, you know. I didn't yeah. want to go. I didn't want to go another ten years and still having no education or having no experience, you know. So <clears throat> I think that was kind of huge. But I obviously in Western State now, I'd love to kind of keep that pathway running and take people from the FAI course from the 19s. I mean, I have another player who played with the Waterford 17s three years ago, who's just after applying to the school over here. So I understand what it's like being stuck for all the world and kind of maybe sitting on the bench for the first team for a year or two, you know, people are in that situation. And it doesn't have to be Warford, it could be down in Dublin, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Be, I've had players up the north, you know what I mean? Finn Harps players even kind of contacted me. So I just think it's an extremely good path. You know, I've had such a good experience that like, I honestly just wanted to bring more people over here and kind of show them how successful you can be over here because you and I both know the USL is getting bigger now too, you know? Yeah. You see how successful Paddy Barrett's been there now, right now, even with, he won the USL with FC Cincinnati. Even another good friend of Paddy Carey, he's like, we've had players at this this college, uh, this university, um, go to the MLS, go to the USL. You know, there's there's been them players like. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily people think when they come to college over here, like oh, you're going to college. It's not necessarily over for you. Like the USL is kind of just getting bigger and bigger every year, as well as the MLS. You know what I mean? Yeah. With the USL too. You have the MPSL. The UPSL, you know what I mean? There's there's more and more leagues getting involved. Like your career is not done when you go to college over here. So I think that's the biggest thing I try to get across get across the players when kind of taking us into consideration, I suppose you could say. In terms of yourself, when it comes to like um see I've been here now 2016 and I've been through in the last four years, I'm now currently on our fourth strength and conditioning coach. In terms of uh, developing, obviously I haven't seen our new one now, John, I haven't seen him for too long. He's only been here since obviously the start of the semester. So in terms of like a year-round program, what would you kind of look at in terms of managing a squad of say 34 players is what we have now. Obviously you're going from a heavy, heavy fall where mm-hmm. you're kind of trying to manage, okay, they've got a game coming up this Thursday, they have another one Saturday, when do we ease off, when do we go heavy, mm-hmm. things like that. Because obviously over here, going, the, the way programs are a pretty big thing, you know, and I think it's extremely beneficial to be honest with you. I've yeah. seen people come in now and I've seen them do like powerlifting type of stuff, you know what I mean? And I've seen other people come in and do like kind of all bodyweight type stuff. And what would your kind of round year program doing when you're kind of going a little bit lighter in the spring when you don't have competitive games and then obviously you having competitive games in the fall? How would yeah. you kind of manage that? There are some safeguards from the NCAA, so from the national level, when a new coach does come in. Um, so you, you want to be careful about what you're doing because you don't know anybody. Um, first off so uh, ideally you want to kind of reach out to a previous coach or somebody that is in the know to see um, what the standard was before in terms of conditioning like how much would they run um, what the the expectations were versus standards and meet with the coach things like that Um, the most important thing really is to try and develop a good relationship with the coach um, because at the end of the day you can have the best plan in the world in the gym. Um, but if the coach is going out on the field and destroying people with fitness, um, it's not going to work. So you really, you can't be a hundred percent on the pitch and in the gym on the same day. Something's got to give. Um, so you, you need to work out what what's going to give a little bit that day. Um, that's not too much of an issue in spring. 
um, when you can sit down and you know exactly what the demands are. Like you said, you're going what Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday in the gym. You know yeah. exactly what the demands are, what the times are. It gets really difficult when you're in season because year to year a lot can change. Um, for teams you're playing against, uh, players can graduate. They can bring in a new player that turns into an All-American you can guess a little bit, um, especially if the coach is there years. What I do personally is I sit down with the coach and when the schedule comes out, I ask him to rank the difficulty of each team. Um, so do you think you're going to – a coach is always going to say, we're going to win every game, no yeah. question. We're not going to concede any goals. Um, but really you need to sit down and say, um, like, where do you really want to be 100%? What's the most important game of the season for you? And most coaches will say, if we're talking in-season, we want to be playing our best at the end of the year. So, so we kind of work back from the end of the year. So how do, how do you play your best at the end of the year? Well, it's true starting um, in preseason and during the year, you need to be doing the small things well. A lot of coaches will give up on strength and conditioning mid-year. And you can, you can benefit without strength and conditioning for about two to four weeks. But after that, um, performance is going to go down, strength is going to go down, injury risk is going to go up. Um, so big picture, I try and get a schedule in season of what the most important games are. Um, around that, we'll do a little bit less. If we think we're going to beat a team 4 or 5 nil, we'll do a little bit more a couple of days before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look to the specifics, if you play Thursday, Saturday, um, or even if you have an irregular schedule, so maybe you have a Monday game thrown in there randomly or you're playing Friday, Sunday, one week. Um, for me, I would go a template, uh, three, two, and one. So I'd have a lift set up that's three days out from a game. So if you're five days out from a game and you have a chance to lift, that's the one you're doing. If you're four days, you're doing that one. If you're three days, you're yeah. doing that one. Um, then I have a two and a one. And I'm just specifically here with women's soccer. We don't have men's. Um, we have a two day out and a one day out. So two days out, we'll do some movements, but the volume is lower. So no one's going to be sore um, going into the game. And what we did last year, we did a one day out, which was a glorified warm-up, to be honest. Uh, we didn't do a whole lot, but we found that it helped, especially with the girls' schedule, because we had such a big group coming in. So I helped them get in their routine. So when the season ended, they were familiar with, oh, I'm going to class, now I need to eat, now I need to um, go to the gym versus a okay, shot. So we had a template that was three, two, and one days out. Um, but you do need to talk with the coach too and figure out. Um, if I'm talking with a coach, I want to know exactly, if you have a game on Thursday, Saturday, what's your hardest training session? Um, and a, a coach might say, oh, Monday is going to be tough or Tuesday is going to be tough. But you'll have some coaches that will say Wednesday is going to be tough, um, but it's going to be short. Um, so having an idea of, on what the hardest session is each week, then I can contrast that. So yeah, that's going, generally how we work it out ourselves. We kind of be like, so say if we're, say, um, <clears throat> Thursday, Saturday, for, for argument's sake, mm-hmm. it generally the boys kind of know coming in Monday. Like, you know, Sunday kind of make sure you're recovering, you know what I mean? And we wouldn't yeah. in season, we wouldn't lift on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of a case of like looking after yourself on the Sunday and the Saturday night and things like that, you know? And then obviously the Mondays come in, we'll generally kind of get after now on the Monday. And the same really goes for the Tuesday. And then gradually, it just kind of starts gradually toning down a little bit then as we get to the, the Thursday again. Obviously, Wednesday, it's kind of just a little bit of a run through. and almost doing a little bit of shapes, the offset pieces, whatever it may be. Obviously, a little scout and things like that then too. So, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like you're saying, kind of, yeah. once, they, once they have kind of understand that, I feel like it's a whole lot easier. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for uh, anybody that's in strength conditioning working with, with any sport really um, his communication with the coach is so important because um, like if it, it depends on the coach's personality too. Like if you have a bad session, sometimes the coach will just run the team and just destroy him in conditioning or, um, you know, here was the practice plan or training plan and then come to learn an hour later, your team gets in the gym and that's not what they did at all. Um, so having a conversation with the coach before the season and then week to week, uh, what I like to use too is um, a little bit informal, but I'll try and get like three to five players that have varying perspectives 
or even different years, so freshman year versus senior, or different positions and ask them, like, without saying you're my go-to person, they'll be like, hey, I'm specifically asking these people all the time how training was. And then over time, their opinions, their responses are valid for everybody. Um, But you also need to make sure you're asking the right people. You know, I I agree with that. You don't want the people that are saying, oh, yeah, train two out of ten today, two out of ten, two out of ten. Um, you want people that are giving you honest feedback, but yeah. you need to explain, too, why you're asking them. Um, not that they're in trouble, but that you're trying to look out for them big picture, long term. Uh, generally, I know I did the same. I kind of not like a, I suppose you nearly could call it a slight group, but just like people I know are kind of going to give me that honest opinion. Generally, seniors as well have kind of seen it a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. been with different groups and stuff even after say if I kind of introduce something new to the group just in, from the coaching coaching uh, perspective I kind of maybe ask maybe two or three players I'd be like like how, how did you find that like did you enjoy it like you know mm-hmm. and I mean I feel like if you're doing stuff that they constantly that they don't enjoy like there's kind of a time where you lose the player absolutely yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean you, you kind of just lose the I don't even want to say respect but just like I mean I, I think you still got to just enjoy the game you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that, that, that's what you're in it for because you love it, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, you keep, if you keep doing shape and pattern stuff where they're standing still and things like that, you got to even kind of compete also and get after it, you know what I mean? That's one thing I did like about back home. I mean, every week, you knew you were, whether you are in the squad or not. Say if we went on a Monday and a Wednesday or something like that, we played on a Friday. The Wednesday, we generally did 11 v 11. And mm-hmm. we, it was generally the starting 11 against the, the, the rest. And I mean, there was a lot of times where I was in the other 11. And... Then you realise when it comes to the weekend, then there's two people from the other 11 after breaking in. You know what I mean? So, because we end up beating the starting 11 2 nil or something like that. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I like that kind of competitive aspect of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of really gets people going. I mean, a little chip, playing with a little chip on your shoulder, I feel like there's nothing wrong with it, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just feel like it's really, really important to kind of not lose the player in a sense. And when you get that kind of honest feedback, it's, it's always beneficial in planning your next session for all the world. Yeah, that's the big thing is that uh, you need to have a plan B or you need to actually take that feedback and, and figure out something. Um, I worked at a program a couple of years back and um, we collected a lot of data on, on players, but we didn't really do anything with it. We had so, so much data and data points, but it didn't really inform our decision-making or we didn't change some of the stuff looking back that we probably should have, you know? Yeah, I think now you, we had something there last year I think you would have loved. But honestly, I just don't think... I don't think we use it to its, and we still have it. We just don't use it anymore. But I don't think we use it for uh, for all it's worth, really. Mm-hmm. We had the the vests, the heart monitors, yeah. and stuff, and I mean, it gives you unbelievable data. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just, I mean, I don't know. We it just didn't really work. It worked for maybe the first two months or whatever. But I mean, for me, I generally I'd like kind of getting told how far I ran, how fast I ran, all that stuff. I mean, yeah, it, I think it's deadly. You know, far away, tell me or whatever, but. I mean, at the same time, I also don't want people telling me like my limits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just, just leave me go. I'm, I'm, that's just me. But I think for a group, I think it's extremely beneficial when you, you're doing it in a sense of like who's kind of falling behind and who's what's that gap between the top lad and, and the bottom lad. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in, especially in your position, like obviously if you're playing in the middle of the park, like we want you covering a certain amount of ground. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you need to be at a certain fitness level to cover cover that ground. And if there's one fella covering, I don't know, say eight miles a game or whatever it may be, and the other fellas covering six. You know what I mean? That's a pretty big gap. I think with GPS, like, it has a lot of value, but before you start with it, you need to kind of see what's the, what's the big picture, like, why are you using it, and what are you looking for? But most importantly, like, what changes are you going to make now that you have that GPS? You know, are you going to adjust training sessions? Are you going to have conversations with players about you're not fit or you need to do more? Um, because they are expensive at the end of the day there's so many blurred lines you just kind of and if you're using them I feel like you really like you got to commit to them you know what I mean and I don't think we were prepared to do that mm-hmm. I mean you, you really have to readjust everything and playing twice a week as well it's kind of a big adjustment when you're using them and you're kind of monitoring you're like oh he's used he's exerted this much energy and you know what I mean you're kind of like he needs to be at like a 40% today and you're speaking about individuals then as well and you just don't have that Kind of, um, you just can't really start managing individuals like that. I don't think when it's such a big squad and the, the games come so thick and fast, you know. So I mean, I think if honestly, if you were to have someone, the, the right person in here, and 
fully ins and outs and things like that. I think obviously they can be beneficial, but I just don't think we were ready to commit to that just yet. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that's the important distinction, like with the level you're at, that you really do need someone that's full time and can get through the data for you. Um, if you have a coach that's with 12, 15 sports, or you're leaving it up to the, the sport coach themselves to figure it out, uh, you're going to be in trouble, I think. Most definitely. So in comparison, obviously we spoke a little bit there about um, just like developing a full year program and he's talked about your three, two, one steps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's one thing that's kind of lacking back home and not to like knock anything back home? Obviously the level is very good, but do you think that's something we could really benefit from? Obviously full-time training is something everyone can benefit from, but just like, I feel like when I was there, it was more of a, here's your program, go do it. You know what I mean? No one ever actually really went and did it together. It wasn't a group thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's something they can really benefit from back home. In a uh, sense. I, I do. Um, I remember one of my first experiences with uh, like lifting or being in a gym environment was um, uh, when I played Warfare under 20s, we were given free membership to the Tower Gym. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a very small gym, mostly machines, yeah. not a whole lot there. Thing, yeah. um, but they did have like a jacuzzi, a sauna, uh, things like that. And I remember they would just tell us to use it, but they would never say what to do, when to do it. Um, and I remember a couple of times, because uh, we used to go, myself and another teammate, uh, Reese Rooney, we would um, meet in the tower and we'd get a session or two in um, each week. But I remember just, just being in the jacuzzi and just kind of chilling like big picture. You're like, I don't know, like, is this even valuable? What am I no idea. doing today? Um but to be honest, that's not really a knock at um, anybody in particular. It's just the whole system. Um, like for me, going back, I can only speak for my time at home up until probably 2012, really, 11. And in Ireland at the time, there was only one strength and conditioning program in the whole country, and that was at UCD. Yeah, so crazy, like- there wasn't a whole lot of uh, knowledgeable people coming out with strength and conditioning info. And I think... Uh, the course that you were on the ETB one you do get a foundation in strength conditioning or personal training most definitely there's a lot of courses now that are building upon that um, but I think clubs need need to take the initiative and look for people that are about to graduate or just graduated that have even if it's a little bit of experience in strength condition that would be helpful because you don't have to know everything. You just need to know a little bit more than the person you're training. Exactly. And they're going to make progress. <laughs> so that, that would be my advice. Um, but things are a little bit different. The whole system is different here. Um, like the collegiate system I'm in now, um, I work full-time. Uh, we have eight full-time physios, or sorry, four, two part-time and, to volunteer we've eight on staff for physios that's a huge help um, you know what i mean if you compare that system now i don't think the system here is sustainable long term i think a lot's going to change because of covid and whatnot yeah. um but if you look and compare that to what a college or university has at home like for example the gym i have here for an average division two university it's probably one of the best gyms in ireland if you were to compare we're in the exact same boat like we have we have a gym down there. There's like an athlete's gym and then there's a wellness center gym across the road in as well. And I mean, the wellness center gym is open to all students and stuff. And it's got an indoor track and everything. Like it's got everything you need in there. But yeah. then the athlete's gym is where you, where you do your work. You know what I mean? We actually, three years ago or something, maybe four years ago, we had the, the Japanese weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting team come in and lift in there. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, it's, it's got everything you need in there really, but it's obviously a lot more kind of... Um, kind of powerlifting type stuff, you know what I mean? It's got a lot of platforms and stuff set up for you. And mm-hmm. it's not like your your normal gym where you go in and you have all the machines. There's like no machines really. Yeah, I think like the, the two or three big things about the point out is facilities is, is first off. Second off is just the level of training experience that the coaches have. And then thirdly, um, which I think is a big limiting factor is uh, the actual like potential for full-time living or income. Exactly. Um, there's people at home that are working in strength and conditioning but they're running six or eight weeks programs but are they going to be there in two years or three years to try and develop that athlete long term 
Yeah. Um, and I, I think most often answer is no. So. Yeah, no, I think it's a massive, massive difference. I, I honestly, I even when you're speaking about the tower, I probably only use the tower for the jacuzzi and the sauna and the pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think, I mean, in the gym maybe a handful of times, like, you know? Yeah. But I, that just wasn't my thing. And come over here then when you're kind of doing it as a group, you're like, oh, I mean, Jesus, this, this could really help, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the, the full-time training, the lifting and the full-time programs, I, I just think it helped me massively developing as a player. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit biased because obviously this is my career now in strength conditioning, but I, I think that was a big help for me as well. Um, and that kind of started when I was probably like 15 or 16. I saw a lot of, made a lot of progress, um, had good results. And to be honest, it was almost like getting a, a head start or like you were cheating, you know, because most yeah. people weren't doing that kind of stuff at the time. No, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I can agree on that one, right? Well, I think that's about it on my end, unless you have anything to to finish up. No, honestly, um, how was your, uh, just a quick brief, I actually never really, we never really spoke about it too much, but how was your experience playing here? Uh, I, I had a mixed um, mixed bag, to be honest. But personally, like playing um, towards the end, I just, I felt like I just got burnt out of it, um, to be yeah. honest. Um, I remember my last game, um, just thinking that I was glad it was over. And I, I kind of had a feeling that, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to play again. And I remember where our, fit, where our pitch was, it was a good walk to the dressing room, about half a mile, oh. a bit longer. And I just remember walking back and just thinking, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to play again. And it was kind of like an internal battle. I was like, I, I don't know if I'm okay with that or if I am. Yeah. Um, but I ended up getting into uh, refereeing, so... I've been refereeing at a decent level uh past couple of years. Um, haven't done a whole lot this year. Um, but when I did play in college, I remember just being frustrated at the level. Like, there was a lot of bad referees. Um, so I, when I was playing in college, I was like, I, I'd like to referee college. And I've done a lot of games refereeing college, Division Two, and I've done some Division One. Um, I've done one or two semi-pro games, but that's my way, really, of staying involved. Um, on the football yeah. end. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, <clears throat> my playing career and I was obviously, it actually went really, really well for me, thankfully, but mm-hmm. towards the end, I just, like yourself, it was injuries. I am, um, 2015, I played my first year in the junior college. <clears throat> I, I won, I, I got some sort of awards or whatever. I, it was all right, I guess, regional something. I'm not really sure how it went. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't really understand what it was really at the time. I was just playing games, but uh, so that went all right my first year. And I came here in 16. And actually, sorry, in the summer of 15, I ended up having a hip surgery. So on my left hip, and I kind of it was meant to be like a seven to eight month process, kind of getting back. I did it in like five and a half, six. And I mean, I worked, I worked like I wanted to play that 2016 year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I really, really worked and um, got in anyway. And 2016, we got beaten the Elite Eight, um, scored a penalty, and I. Uh, I randomly ended up taking the penalties first, so didn't didn't miss one. So I, yeah. I was happy enough. I catch kept rolling with it. So um, score a few with the head, score a few a few pens, and uh, we kept a lot of clean sheets. So we uh, end up be, we got beaten San Diego in the quarterfinal, basically the Elite Eight, they call it here, mm-hmm. and put us one up at half time. Went in, we were comfortable. Should have won it. We should have been three nil up at half time. Went in, we got beat on two set pieces, two one. That was tough, tough one to take. So then we went into that was a seventeen year and I ended up um doing really, really well in my seventeen year. Um I was playing centre half, we kept say we played twenty three games or something, we kept like fourteen clean sheets. Mm-hmm. Fifteen, we did really, really well. And, yeah, uh, so I was looking at your stats today, I think top five in the country that year, yeah, right? We we actually were number one that year. Okay. We, yeah, we were thousand sixteen we were top we we're fourth or fifth or something. Mm-hmm. Then in in thousand seventeen we were undefeated, no one beat us, we were like twenty Three and one or something like that. We drew one game and twenty one twenty three or something. But uh, then we end up getting to the. We were hosting then the quarter final at home, and we were. Uh, we end up going to penalties. We were one 0 up. They went one one. We went two one up. Six minutes to go. They went two two. Went to pen. We hit the post then with maybe ten seconds to go, an extra time. Went to penalties. Scored all five. Missed our six. They scored our six. And being we were number one in the country and at the time. And we beat then as well. So it was definitely a tough one to take. Then I went into 18. I was expecting a big senior year. 
like I, that 2017 year, I got the awards, the ball conference, all region, all American. Mm-hmm. Did really, really well. Got the 2018. Here I go again, hip surgery. Second one on my left hip. So senior year was pushed to 2019. Went down, I played the first four games. We were doing really well. Uh, then I woke up with a crick in my neck that one morning and uh, I had a bulge discs in my neck. So I was walking around like that now for about 10 weeks. So I was told already after my second hip surgery to stop playing. Then after the bulge discs, I was definitely told to stop playing. So I was, it's kind of where you were, you were saying an internal battle, like, will I never play again? For me now, I was just decided I had, I had to stop playing. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. I was forced to stop playing, really. I still play a little bit of indoor here and there, and that's about it, really. Yeah. But yeah, it's a tough one to accept. But I think, honestly, after finishing the degree and stuff and, and doing a little bit of coaching here, I think it was kind of, I was very okay with it. Like I was, once I was staying involved, I, I had no problem really. I was accepting kind of stopping playing. Uh, that was a big thing for me, was to stay involved in like some capacity and try and pass on, you Most know, day. whatever you did have. Um, just last thing, what did you end up graduating with and kind of what's the plan going forward? Do you, do you like the coaching route so far? I'm, I'm absolutely loving the coaching route. Honestly, I'm planning on staying it now for good if possible, you know what I mean? Obviously, visas can be difficult for like some hit new and mm. things like that. But uh so I graduated um, all levels. Uh, basically, I did a bachelor of science in all levels kinesiology. Mm-hmm. So I would probably this year now. I'm uh, basically I'm just working full time right now. Assistance gig, no classes. Next year, then I'll probably pursue the masters. So that's kind of the the route I'm taking right now. I mean, I think I'd be I'd be a fool not to go pursue the masters. Really, I think it's so so important over here. Yeah. Well, Pat, appreciate you coming on. Thank Thank you you very much, Kev. I appreciate you, but thank you. I'll talk to you soon.